Hey guys, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the show. That's right, here on the Chase Jarvis Live Show on Creative Live. I love recording these intros because I get so excited for the person, and in this case, the people you are about to meet. Joshua Kissy and Karen Okonkwo are tackling a really important problem in the creative industry. Uh, they hail from specifically photography, and they are the founders, the co-founders, if you will, of an amazing group called Tonal. Now, when I heard their story, uh, they were walking the halls here in Creative Live. I was introduced to them. I was blown away. I started looking into their work. I noticed they were on the Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30. Uh, just peeling back the first couple of layers of the onion got me really, really hooked, and I'm excited to share them with you today. Karen was in a sorority at Arizona State University and decided to start a blog for sorority women. Uh, it gained a lot of attention immediately, and yet when a friend of Karen's asked her, I was like, wait, there's no African-Americans showcased on your site she was defensive she's like wait a minute as an african-american herself she was like wait I, I i of course i do she scrolled through her phone she described this to me personally she said i started scrolling through my phone and i realized my friend was right she herself as an african-american woman had fallen into the subconsciously biased racially one-sided media and that inspired her to make a change not just in her own site but she started looking uh, for ways to impact a larger creative industry. It was a few years later when she was introduced to a photographer friend, enter the other chap we're gonna hear from today, photographer Joshua Kissy. He picked up a camera at age 17, was very successful in photography and lifestyle and brand photography. Well, Karen approached him and said, hey, look it, are you interested in all in helping move photographs of underrepresented populations into the photography industry, into stock photography, and into uh, brands that are pushing products that are not addressing this market. And Joshua at first was like, you know, I'm not so sure this is gonna be so lucrative. They parted ways for a, almost a year, I think. Well, I'm not gonna give this story away, but they, they reunited to create Tonal, an agency that now today serves this purpose in the stock photography industry and more broadly working with brands to integrate uh, creativity, art, photography into their stories and also a handful of other things that I'll let them tell you about. It's just a, it's a very powerful story uh, uh, for an underrepresented population in creativity. I know this is going to resonate with you um, and I, I, I want to keep talking about it, but I'm not going to give away any more of the show. So I'm going to get out of the way. But before I do, just a super quick word from our sponsor and then we'll come back with Joshua and Karen. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. And right now you're saying, wait a minute, isn't that the company that you started? Yes, it is. It is my company, but they make this show possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, you must check it out. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best teach photo, video, art design, music and audio, craft and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all of those disciplines. There is free content there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's also more than 10,000 hours of content for you to access on demand. You guys know I'm a huge believer in the power of daily habits. And today, Creative Live, as a part of the sponsor announcement, wants you to know that they have a new, very powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. That would be 
via the Creative Live iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV apps. They're all free, and they let you watch all of the Creative Live classes that are on air streaming for free, anything you already own, and on the iPhone and iPad apps, you can watch one daily lesson of your choosing for free. That is one of 25,000 lessons for free, which is super, <laughs> super gnarly. To get those apps, go to the App Store, uh, iTunes, and search Creative Live, or go to creativelive.com slash apps. There you go. Now, let's get into the show. All right, so let's start off by just introducing each of you, yes. and you have both been teaching here during Photo Week yeah. as part of yes. Creative Live, uh, but you are both the co-founders of Tonal. So Karen, yes. we'll start with you. Okay. Just tell us a little bit about who you are and your history as well. Yeah, so um, my name's Karen Okonkwo, and, and like Kenna mentioned, I'm the co-founder of Tonal. Uh, by day, I work in corporate America, and by night, I am a serial entrepreneur. And I really um, just became really fond of imagery and solving the issue of the lack of diversity because I started a blog with my sorority sisters, I'd say about five years now. And you know, and seeing how wonderful Josh was with oh, imagery, he's like a savant, <laughs> I, I say, when it comes to images. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I just thought, you know, what a better person to team up with to try to solve this issue. So really, um, when people ask, what do you do with Tonal? It's really just on the marketing and business development side of things. So we joke and say that I'm the left brain and he's the right brain. So that's a little bit about me. And right, I'm Joshua Kissy, co-founder of Tonal, photographer, creative director as well. And um, yeah, me and Karen pretty much came into this trying to solve a big issue in stock photography. Um, and I've had maybe eight to nine years of photo experience. Um, so it was a nice challenge to take on and we're really looking forward to like seeing the future of it. Yeah. Well, let's take a step back and talk about, Josh, your yeah. history. Mm -hmm. uh, because you came up, your street etiquette. Yes, uh, yeah. Fashion. Your fashion, uh, lifestyle, branding. Lifestyle, yeah. branding, mm -hmm. now an agency. Yeah. So you've had a long history of being very aware of imagery yes. in your life personally. Mm -hmm. um, you've been in the spotlight. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> talk, to <laughs> like me, talk to me about uh, street etiquette and just the, well, the power of imagery there. Absolutely. Well, street etiquette started in 2008. It started by myself and Travis Gums. We were in school. We bonded over just like fashion style streetwear. And we started something that we didn't know would come this like big internet phenomenon when it comes to street style, fashion, and editorials. So basically, we styled, we shot, we did everything. And we also partnered up with a lot of our friends in New York to just create these great editorials. And at that time, it wasn't common to see African-American men, Latino, just everybody in the community just creating from that vein. Because um, we didn't see ourselves in the GQs and the Esquires and all that other stuff. So we were like, hey, let's create our own. And eventually, we got in GQ and we got in Esquire. So it was like, you know, we stayed true to what we believed in. And it ultimately all came to fruition. So how did you get into GQ? Like, what was that um, moment where <laughs> you were creating content, creating content, creating content, yeah. and then somebody noticed? That's interesting. Yeah, I just banged on the door. I was like, guys, got to feature me in here. <laughs> no, but literally, it was an email referral from somebody else that was a fan of Street Etiquette onto Andy, Andy Comer, who's actually a really, really good friend and mentor of mine who lives in Seattle. It's funny how the world just turns around, but um, pretty much he saw it and he was like, hey, I want to have you guys come to the office. 
we came to the office, we were just thinking we were gonna do an online feature, and Jim Moore, who was the, then uh, editor-in-chief, he was like, hey, I would love to bring you guys on and put you in the magazine. So we weren't supposed to be in a magazine. It was supposed to just be an online feature, and we ended up being in, like having a four-page spread, um, and that was cool. It was, we were still in school, so it was just like so surreal for us to be in the pages of GQ, and that's where you could kind of tell your parents you made it. Like, okay, leave me alone. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm in GQ that's magazine. Parents yeah, sometimes. that's definitely. That's, that's not for, enough. No, it's not. Yeah, for African Just parents, you, know, <laughs> you need a degree next to the magazine, like both. GQ. Uh, yeah, GQ and, and the, the doctorate and the degree as well, and the PhD. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much how it happened, and from there, just we, it was a snowball effect, and we pretty much started to develop into an agency because of the services we were asked to provide, yeah. which was styling, creative direction, photography, so we pretty much turned into an agency based on the industry ask. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and so how did that, how many years has that been, and how has that wow. evolved? Yeah. Well, it's been 10 years. Yeah. So ever since I was, yeah, like 18, 17, 18, wow. start, we didn't even know we were like starting a company. We just looked up like, how do you start? It's like LLC, okay, cool. Done. Like, let's do that. <laughs> like, went to LegalZoom, just like figure something out. I just, think like, uh, Karen taught a class on that. <laughs> here at Photo Week. No, but like, we're still in school, like literally in high, like senior year of high school, trying to figure out LLCs. Um, <laughs> but now we know that that was a really, really good thing to do in advance as we like look into our business. Um, but it evolved from just doing that to having clients um, like Starbucks, like US Open. Uh, we worked with everybody pretty much, uh, Adidas, Nike, um, pretty much to create content for and campaign and consult with. So it's, it's really evolved from us being in front of the camera to us right. being behind the camera and do yeah. more direction. Right. But the way we've kind of garnered support was us being in front of the camera. So people kind of aspire to the lifestyle and imagery and aesthetic. Right. So let's fast mm -hmm. forward, because I don't think we've actually laid the groundwork of how you two, yes. how the idea, well, the need and the idea of Tonal, and then how you two, the moment where you two decided to partner. Yeah. Because you're not a photographer, and you no, are. No, yeah. everybody thinks I'm from New York, that yep. I'm a photographer. <laughs> None of that. Uh, um, so basically, the story starts with actually a sorority that I was a part of when I went to Arizona State University. And I had two sorority sisters that I felt would be great to line up with this idea that I had to start a blog sharing best kept secrets of sorority women. Just because I knew that whether you loved sorority women or hated them, they were really influential on campus. And so I was like, why don't we create a sisterhood online for all women that they can just get secrets from fashion to beauty to you know, health and wellness and, and everything in between. So we were part of like the boom of the blogging world. So we got a lot of attention very quickly. We were doing a lot of partnerships with big brands. You know, we were um, growing in our followers. And things were great until a friend of mine who actually lives here pulled me aside and he said, out of curiosity, how come you don't showcase any black people on your site? And at first I was combative. I was like, that's a lie, of course we do. <laughs> and then I like pulled up my phone to prove it to him and I'm scrolling and I'm like, I, I, I don't see any black people. I go to our Instagram, the same thing. I was mortified. I mean, clearly I'm African-American and typically you would think that I would have that lens. But when you grow up in a society where you know magazines and movies and TV shows are very racially one-sided, you are now just actually subconsciously subscribing to that. 
And so I'm just one of those people where when somebody brings a problem to me, I don't wallow in it. I'm not like, oh, there's a problem. I'm just like, all right, quick. What's the solution? Well, the solution is to showcase not only just more African-American women in sororities, but just all types of women. So I went online to try and find imagery and just I couldn't find it at all. It, I took hours searching the internet, trying to find aesthetically pleasing images of women of color in different sororities, and it was just non-existent. Or it just, it just wasn't looking you know, up to par. And so that haunted me for a really, really long time, even as you know, we stepped away from the sorority secrets. So flash forward, um, I actually started a meetup group to find other African-American women here in Seattle. And so through that, I became really good friends with a woman named Mechtis Mersha, who is now Josh's fiance. <laughs> <laughs> you got to throw that in there. I know, I get it. Cool. <laughs> Shout out to Mechtis, because she's the reason her. why we know each other. Yes, um, I didn't know about Street Etiquette. I, I didn't know any, any of that. And so when she told me she was dating someone, I was like, okay, who is this guy that you're dating that is so famous? And I look and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know why he's famous now. Oh he's God. certified. He's really? certified. So <laughs> I, I like saw all the collaborations and just the beauty of his images. And I remembered how sad I was that I couldn't find diverse imagery years ago. So I was like, okay, maybe he would, maybe he would want to do stock photography. And I'll let him take the story from there. <laughs> so pretty much when she told me are you interested in starting this company around stock photography, diversity? I was like, absolutely not. Um, so like, <laughs> he was like, like no, 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 I'm good. <laughs> but I was like, no, it's not a, it's, it's, it's crazy because I was always contacted by stock photography companies, mm -hmm. but I never wanted to shoot for them, never aspired to, ignored most of the emails, maybe all of them, um, never responded to them. <laughs> um, but a year, I mean, not a year later, but years why? later now, why? Why? Um, I just, it's just, I mean, number one, it wasn't lucrative. I was like, okay, so you're gonna give me a cut of something I'm capturing and creating. Like, it didn't make sense in that way. So the whole photographer versus the agency and the licensing model just didn't make sense. And I was just like, well, if I'm trading, I'm already trading my time for money, it may as well be right. like worth it. And in that way, I definitely didn't wanna do it. The second thing was like, artistically, it wasn't aspirational in any way. Um, even though they're like, hey, we love what you capture, we want you to just capture that. But I was just like, oh no, it's gotta be for a higher price. There's no way I'm gonna be capturing something I love and selling it for so low. Um, and that was like really the main two reasons why I didn't wanna do it. Um, so that's pretty much the logic into that. Then when Karen approached me with this, initially I said no. Then like maybe a year later, I was like, well, I'll do it if you do it with me. Um, and I was trying to like clear space from like street etiquette agency stuff. I had a lot of client work and I, was, I couldn't even think about starting another company. So I think it happened for a reason, where it's like in that moment, it was like, no, we're not gonna do it, cool. A year later, it's the summer of 2017? 16. 16, wow, it's blowing by. I know, it's scary. <laughs> summer of 2016, you have unfortunate uh, killings, community killings, police, and um, we all know the stories of Philando Castile, Alton Sterling, all these type of unfortunate narratives, and I was with Karen, I was just like, hey, like, we gotta do something, like, we gotta figure out how do we bring out the right types of narratives into the world. And that's where Tonal was kind of born. It was born from a traumatic and unfortunate circumstance, but we found the positivity within it. Tell me more about how, like with those particular events, people were being portrayed in the media or other 
that you said. No, I just think no. it was, yeah, absolutely. Like, you saw these people who were fathers, you know, sons to people, and what you saw in the media was just all the negative sides of it. So I was like, this is not an accurate portrayal right. of this person. You're just seeing one negative side, and that's being perpetuated over and over. So how do you help that, or how do you assist that, is, like, provide imagery that's a wide array of somebody or people, a group of people, or underrepresented type of people. So that was what really inspired us, because you saw all the articles and the accusations. It was just so much, and we were just like, wow, how can we, I think we're both like problem solving people. It's like, how can we work together to make this, turn yeah. this around into a positive, yeah. So let's fast forward to now. You've been in business for, with Tonal for a, a year, little over a year. Yeah, two months. Launching a little yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you've already been named uh, for Inc. Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30. Mm -hmm. So congratulations <laughs> on you. that. That's huge. Thank you. Thank you. And I think that everybody I talked to, that especially when I first heard what the concept was behind what you're doing, like how is this possible that this doesn't already exist? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's that's where we are. That's where we live. That's mm -hmm. the reality of this world today, the frightening yeah. reality of it. Yeah. Tell me what you have heard from people in the last year that has either surprised you or moved you um, about the impact that Tonal is having so far. Yeah, so I think when we first launched, a lot of people don't know that we are just very humble. So even though we launched, there wasn't like this big like, yay, we launched, we're so cool with it. Like, it was just like, all right, uh, we gotta get, we just we were just very yeah. diligent that we didn't really look up to really revel in what we had done. And so I think it took a few months before I had someone physically come up to me and before they could even get words out, they were already crying. And I was like, what are you crying about? And they're like, thank you. Thank you so much for having this because for years, I've never seen myself online. And they weren't even a model. They were just somebody who was desperately trying to find imagery of themselves and it just never existed. You know, and we also just get emails from people saying, thank you so much. I now actually have imagery that I can use and work. And then they're, they're really cool. They're like, and you can even go this angle. You know, you can add this tag. You can add this ethnic group that has not been met. And so we've pretty much been like the spokesperson for so many different ethnic groups. And, you know, we're really, and not even just ethnic groups, people have different abilities as well and yeah. sexual preferences. Yes. I mean, it's really exciting to, 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 be, to be that access for them. So let's dive then further into, because you use this word narrative around yes. the narratives that are being told out there in the world. Yeah. Um, tell us about how you've embraced that word narrative mm -hmm. and how you are showing all these different things via tonal. Sure, so with narratives, we pretty much developed the site of our section that's called Tonal Narratives, and it's a way for stock imagery to come to life. So instead of just like this vapid stock photo, no story, bland, any brand could use it, what we do is encourage a select group of people to tell their story on the platform. So who they are, what they do, what their experiences have been, and it's just been super impactful. That's the thing that a lot of people have been inspired by because they're like, okay, this is not just an image of a random person. Now I have a context to what they do, what they stand for, and I could further help you know, my demographic insights or cultural insights into yeah. agency-wise. And it, just, it really just makes it feel more real. So we go with this whole aspect of story over stock, 
Yeah. Like, like, let's focus on the story first. You know, the stock image will be sold and licensed and all that other good business stuff. But for the most part, we want the images to feel like life in yeah. a lot of ways. And that's, that's been like a long time coming for stock photography. Yeah, for sure. I think that story, storytelling, mm -hmm. visual storytelling, yes. yeah, this is something that the world right now, brands are trying to do and yes. use. Yes. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there of what people use stock imagery for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about some examples of how brands are looking to use the imagery and the narratives that you're providing um, out there and, and how, whether that's big brands, small brands, brands, what are people, yeah. how are people using that and what reaction are they getting? Yeah, so it was really cool. Pop Sugar was one of the first clients that we have, and they basically are like a beauty and entertainment, fashion. They're, you know, they just kind of have a whole spectrum of things they speak on, and they were very diligent in using our imagery. And I remember one of their editors, they, they tweeted, and they were like, oh my God, thank you so much, Pop Sugar. I finally have diverse images for the things I'm writing about. Like, she was ecstatic. She was like, everybody follow Tonal. And it was just so cool to see that, you know, like on the top level, of course, Pop Sugar as a company made that decision and seeing how it trickled down to people who are, you know, contracted or employed by them. So, you know, that was really cool to see, um, you know, and then there's other brands where they really just want to make sure that they are in alignment with us, not necessarily that they're trying to copy us. So, for example, we um, partnered up with Google and, and they have a Chromebook as their, their section of products and they were like, we're not trying to sell our products at all. We really just want to make sure that people understand that we're in alignment with you guys. So here's a bunch of the products. Please you know, find people of different ethnic backgrounds and let them you know, use and have these products because we understand that imagery when it comes to technology is also very racially one-sided. So we want to help solve that problem and know that we're an ally with you guys. So those are just you know, some examples of how people who have used our products have um, had good positive reactions uh, toward it. Yeah. Can you talk, Josh, maybe yes. a little bit about community mm -hmm. and how community has driven what the site that you've created, yes. the, um, the imagery, um, the empowerment of, of photography? What, what has community meant to you? In general or in tonals? case or both. Or Start with Tonal's case. And yeah, then, yeah, I mean, with Tonal's case, it's, it's very much community-based because mm -hmm. there are people that just volunteer that want to be a part of it. So a lot of our subjects are friends of friends or people that just raise their hand or contact us, email us, tweet us, any way they can and just be like, hey, I want to be a part of this. Um, and I think that's a really special opportunity for us to build with them because they're sort of like their own ambassador to Tonal without asking them to be. But they're talking about it in a positive light. They love the experience. And they also want to be a part of it. That's the biggest thing. Like People want to be a part of it anyway. So if Google's just like, hey, let's work on this, a normal everyday person is like, hey, how can I be shot? Or maybe I know a family that should be shot. Yeah. Or maybe so people are just super, super helpful. And I never really seen that in a company. <laughs> like, like a lot of times, companies have this wall up where you don't really feel like you could contact them or play a part in the success. But I think people really believe in the idea of diversity. That's why they're like, I want to be a part of that. And I think that's the most powerful part because, yeah, there's not a lot of projects I've been a part of where people had that connection with the company straight up. Yeah. So 
who definitely connection, community, yes. all these things, imagery allows us to connect mm -hmm. the story behind the images, again, allows us to connect at a different level. Let's talk a little bit about responsibility mm. of this movement of, yeah. of getting diverse, inclusive imagery out there in the world. We've talked a little bit about brands, about photographers. Yes. For you, what does it come down to? Who's responsible to make change? Mm. I think everyone is. I mean, everyone is responsible in their respective field. Sometimes we put it off to bigger corporations. You know, we get really upset with different brands that yeah. you know uh, make a misstep. And I think that it is definitely their responsibility to, to hire diversity, to really have a clearance, you know, before things go out. But I feel like um, it starts in the household. You know, it starts with getting your children around people of different ethnic backgrounds and abilities. It's, you know, opening up those conversations because that is what you, whatever you would take in your household, you, you go out there and you show it to the world. And so I think that it really is our responsibility in our own households to make sure that even if we have a certain belief that we hold true to, that we still allow ourselves to be open and accepting of others in spite of the difference. Because that's what I think is wrong with the world is, I think that is what is wrong with the world right now, is that because somebody has a different view or opinion, that means that they are just you know, uh, like the worst person in the world. And it's like, no, let's try to find a common ground and understanding and put ourselves in those people's shoes for education purposes. And maybe you walk away and you both disagree, but there still has to be a level of love and respect. And I think that that's what's missing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, everybody is responsible, and yeah. it starts in the households. It starts in the household. Um, and makes its way to brands, brand leaders, leaders yeah. of the industry. Yep. Have you seen the industry of, of photography, filmmaking, um, changing at all in the past year? Oh yes, yeah. we definitely have. Um, in a way that Tonal's been impactful in that in a lot of ways, and not a lot of ways, in a few ways, but I guess on the larger scale, it's just like there's a need for diversity. Everybody knows this, like, there's a need for the truth right now, and people are, are fighting for that whether they're a writer, whether they're a painter, whatever it is, like everybody's kind of using their tools to like find out the truth. And imagery just has happened to be one of the biggest indicators of that. Because it's how you see yourself, it's how you see the world, it's how you document, it's historical. There's so much there that I feel like plays into how you see the rest of the world. So there's been like a big truth telling within the whole industry. Um, and Tonal's been, been that in a small part. And uh, we're really looking forward to like the next steps of that. So. We've gone into, I don't know, other stock phot photography sites and seen like mimic imagery that we would shoot. And that's, it just lets us know if we're doing a good job at the same time. When it's, people are copying you. Yeah, I didn't want to say that, but that's a, no, I, mean, I try that's to be PC of, about it. That's no, a measure but, of success, right? right? And, yes. and I will say too that <laughs> we are starting to see a change when it comes to um, diversity because of money. You know, I think it's, it's sometimes a factor that it hurts us to understand that most change just ha does happen when money is involved. And what I mean by that is it's costing brands a lot of money when they make a misstep or if they're not addressing diversity. So you're, you're, we're starting to see a shift because it's impacting people's pockets. 
And so it's, it's, a, it's a good thing that the diversity is happening, um, but in knowing that there's a financial loss, if you're not aligning yourself, we also have to be keen on who is being really authentic. Mm -hmm. It's not just about throwing, you know, um, you know, one Asian girl in the campaign and then, all right, good, we've, we've got diversity. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it goes beyond just throwing an Asian person in, in a picture. It's have you actually hired them, you know, in, in your particular, particular, excuse me, production company? You know, are you having um, uh, cultural events that are happening at work that will inspire people to get to know others beyond just, hey, you've been sitting in the cubicle next to me and I still have no idea how to say your last name. You know, so I just think that wow. even though the change is great, we still have to hold people accountable to really being authentic as to why diversity does matter. And so how have you integrated, I mean, it's, a, it's we talked about the narratives, but are there other ways that you've integrated authenticity into your photography, into the tonal website, um, how, and how do you recommend people out there seek authenticity in their own work? Yeah. That's a great question. I mean, for the most part, from a photographer's point of view, I try to like just equal out the playing field, just have a really good conversation with people, get to know them. So it's not like, let me just shoot you for this website and I'm like gone, but be able to build like a personal connection as well, understand them, be open, um, as well as interact. And I think a lot of people, once they see the photos and they see like the best version of themselves, that, that's when you know you're doing a good job because it's representing their truth in a sense, if it makes this kind of zest and happiness when they look at the photos. And I think there's a way to do that where you're just capturing because you have to do a job or you have to fulfill diversity quotas. Like that, it, it just shows when it's not authentic and when it's not truthful to people. Um, and it's hard for bigger brands to be personable. But I mean, to me and Karen's benefit is that we're people and we, we go around and we speak about it. We're vocal, we're also vocal in our communities, we're also vocal in the cities we're from. So I think that helps. But it's really hard for like other companies to do the same because there's a staff of thousands of people and, and it's all a bureaucratical like decisions that goes into it. So it's just like, it's very different for me and Karen just having a small team and be like, let's make the decision to change this tomorrow. Like that's very different from like, oh, we're gonna need 90 days plus like a year in advance of like prepping out this. By the time that's done, like the industry's already changed in a different way. So it's the benefit of like being small but also being very personable to the people we're shooting. And I think it helps too that we have been really diligent about the type of photographers that we have. I know that we have Sam Fu who's um, joined us in the, in the audience and he's a local Seattle photographer and he is, you know, Taiwanese, hopefully I said it right, Taiwanese. And, um, you know, it, it, it shows that he is able to capture people from his culture in a better light because he is educated, you know, in, in his own culture. And so sometimes I think the, how you solve this is you actually align yourself with people who have that perfect lens and then that taps into the audience better. So that's just you know, some of the ways that we have been able to create diversity is through the photographers that we use. 
So how do you get beyond, um, you know, I am not a Nigerian or a Ghanaian uh, photographer yeah. or individual. Yeah, we can see. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I can see. You can see. So how, how in this, this vein of authenticity or, like, how would you, um, how would you go and photograph a Taiwanese family or scenario differently um, than, I'm sorry, I totally blanked on your Sam. name. Sam. Sam, than Sam, yeah. than Sam would. Like me personally? Yeah, you personally, um, or what's the, what are the, what are the nuances that you have to get past or get through or yeah. to, to feel like you can create authentic work? I feel like once I feel like I'm not the, like I'm not the author of the story, like it's, it's up to whoever's there to write it, but I'm just there to help guide and like listen to. So as long as you're open in that way, I don't want to offend people because I'm used to a certain cultural norm. You go into the house, taking off your shoes, like all the things you think would happen, but as well as having somebody that's close on the ground to advise with, like, okay, I have this shoot. What, I, what should I know? What should I be educated on? What should I be aware of? And going about it that way, rather than assuming because a lot of assumptions turn into stereotypes, and stereotypes turn into racism, and it just keeps going. So yes. a lot of the industry, I don't feel like it's, it's not malicious, but it's a structural function of the, of the industry in general. So it's, it's not that people are waking up every morning, like, I'm going to exclude every person of color from, like, people are not waking up in the morning with that motive, but it's the way the companies are built and the way it's the structure of the country and most of the world is that. So it's about changing that path, and I think, more and more people will be coming open to it once they find out it's an issue. But if you don't think it's an issue, you won't push for the things that make sense exactly. to bring solutions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You said something earlier that struck me that was about seeing your best, true, yeah, your best version of yourself. The best yeah. version of yourself. Yeah. I just, I want to explore that a little bit further in terms of the world of photography at large and yeah. giving people a sense of whether it's their own best self themselves or, or how they, they see imagery out there that actually reflects their own best self, even if it's not them. I don't know if I'm making, making sense. No, it makes Maybe sense. that's what like, the narratives is doing. Yes. So do you have another story that you can share of uh, kind of a win um, in that scenario of, mm. of um, what you've heard from people? I think we have two stories. Maybe you wanna, do you want to share one with uh, oh, no, the Twitter? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I could hear you. <laughs> yeah, so we had somebody that reached out to us who's featured in the Tonal catalog. Her name is No Dumo. Um, she is a student at Yale, and she is albino as well. So she reached out to us over Twitter and just like, hey, I would love to be the first albino person to be on Tonal during our inception. And we were like, oh yeah, absolutely. So we met up, we shot, we talked through albinism, we talked through skin tone, we talked through all these different things that I had no idea about uh, when it comes to albinos and what they like go through day to day and people's perception of them. Um, so it was really, really interesting to capture that. She was like, hey, I'm one of millions of people of, because even in certain parts, like people are murdered for being albino and the parts are used for like all types of, this is like African stuff is next level, but it's like, People who are albino like murdered and their, their parts are used for like some wizardry and whatever. Um, but basically, she was just highlighting like, hey, there are 
a whole bunch of people just like me that need to feel like the world sees them. And a lot of times I walk around and I feel like the world don't see me. So even as I was taking her photos in public places, she was like, I'm a little bit shy, but she did an amazing job. She was really vibrant. And she continued to start doing more and more shoots where like, people would consider her a model as well. So it goes to show you never know what you could discover once you like, break out of that. And I'm glad she tweeted at us because we're able to have this whole opportunity with her. So it's amazing. It's life changing. It is. And I think that, the, that then telling one person's story in a way allows all these other people to see themselves in that, in that best yeah. light of yeah. themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about breaking down even further into the nuances of, of this cultural representation. I know you guys play a lot off of the fact that uh, the, the Nigeria-Ghana oh, yeah. thing, right? Yeah, it's a competition, but yeah. uh, it's, it's between our, ourselves, yeah. It's this whole, like, who's better? And I won't get into it, because we'll derail from this whole, this whole. But, but the, the point being, and I, I think uh, we talked about this, uh, we did a podcast episode uh, for We Are Photographers, new Creative Live podcast here, uh, but this concept of, of just, there's a, a stock image of an Asian family, oh, yeah. you know, say, and, and um, but, what, or a black family, mm -hmm. but they're like not, there's South Korean, there's yeah. Thai, yeah, there's yeah. Cambodian, um, and so, so have you been able to like narrow things down so that you're, you, you are bringing yeah. more differences in ethnicities and yeah. things to light? So actually what's funny is that when we first started Tonal, we just assumed that people would go to our site and they would just find diverse imagery. That was enough. We didn't need to title anyone. And then someone wrote us a really long message and they were like, you know, it, it would be really helpful if you just tagged these as Latino so then I can find them easier. And I was like, well, I mean, it's just diverse images. And then we really reflected on it and we're like, well, maybe that's where the education you know, starts, is perhaps when you see Latino, you're gonna see a whole variation of different types of Latino people. And so we just went back into all of our pictures. It took a really long time, but we recategorized it, you know, um, down to you know, ethnic background, um, race, um, you know, we, we always had people's like different abilities and things like that, but we've been able to do that. And so now if you want to go and you want to see everyone who's Eritrean, you can do that. If you want to see everyone who's Nigerian, you can do that. Um, you know, there's just different ethnic backgrounds and races, again, that people can now file and search through on our site. And so that really helps in, in the education surrounding those people. Absolutely. Um. You were laughing there. Was that another yeah, no, Ghana? Was, There's no, where's Ghana like, in that? No, I was like, if you want to see Nigerian people, I don't know if you want. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. I'll just work it to myself. Ghana. I'm sorry. He thinks I'm Ghanaian too. No, so. no. We're, all, we're all the same. <laughs> no, but I think the Latino uh, tag is really important because there's Afro-Latino. There's, there's so many variations into it. Mm -hmm. And when you look at those tags, you get to see this lady. Yeah, she might appear black, but she's Dominican or Ecuadorian or Honduran or... Yes. There's so much stories there. Colombian, there's yes. so many different types. Uh, and I think that's the, that's the important part. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, I mean, you've just barely started to scratch the surface. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So oh, if yeah. you think about there's it going so from the word diverse yeah. <laughs> to then like all these down, nuances, yeah. Yeah. all the nuances. So what is your hope and what are the next steps to grow what you're doing? Has it taken on a life of itself? Like yeah. where does it need to go? 
next to, to go even further? Yeah, well, I think that we've, in knowing that we've been like this vehicle for so many different ethnic backgrounds, really where we see this going is becoming the one-stop shop premier diverse stock photo um, agency, if you call it. And so that really is our hope, is to be that, that, that funnel that people go through to get those sort of images. And you know we're always expanding. We understand that we want to evolve with the trend. So video footage is something that we know is really popular now. Very and popular. you know they say that over 80% of the way that people will absorb, you know, content will be through video. You know, here in the coming years. And so we really are are wanting to adapt in that sense. And I think, like from a personal goal, I want to see a tonal image on a billboard, uh, in the subway, in the airport. I like visualize it every single day. <laughs> Um, because it, yeah, I always talk about. I was like, we're gonna we're gonna be in the airport soon. So if anyone knows how we can get in the airport, <laughs> call me. Plug. Plug. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, plug, plug <laughs> yeah. Um, to be honest, it's, it's sort of the same. I just would love for there to be the resource where people go and just feel themselves, like digitally. But that translates into how we live our lives, um, and just get more and more nuance. Like yeah, there should be a narrative about a Chinese family that lives in Egypt or whatever, like it just yeah. needs to be as truthful as possible. And I feel like the more and more you get those type of stories, the more and more people feel welcomed in a part of the world. Because when it's one-sided, this is what you have, you know, there's outcries and canceling and protest, like all of that because people don't feel heard. That's yeah. literally it. Like people don't feel seen, they don't feel heard, they don't feel like they exist. And that's on all sides. So yeah. hopefully Tonal plays a small part within opening the solutions of that. I, I think that what you just said is so important in terms of um, people want to feel heard mm -hmm. and they want to feel seen. And yeah. so photography, film, all of that yes. is this way to, is a way to give voice and voice is power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you feel empowered? Yeah, absolutely. In what you're doing? Absolutely. I feel like this is our legacy. You know, people sometimes they go through life and they don't understand what their purpose is. Yeah. And I feel like we are living in our purpose. And you know, you kind of like revel in it because it's like I started off with a sorority blog, didn't know Josh at all. Um, you know, and then our worlds collided. It's just, it's just interesting how the story has unfolded. But I can truly say that we believe that this is our legacy. Absolutely, I think it's. Yeah, it's really a luxury and privilege to wake up every day and know that you're waking up furthering the idea of diversity and the idea of existing and it, like all these different things, representation, like it's really, really a pleasure to do that. And to be able to shoot it, um, there's still so much more to go. Like that's the thing, like it's still like a very, very small percentage of what we see. Yeah. And that's what makes me even more excited. I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to keep traveling and keep seeing people, keep meeting people. Yeah. Um, and be able to impact tonal that way. Amazing, mm -hmm. amazing. Well, I think that uh, we have studio audience here. We have folks who are watching yes. online when we're live. I would love to open it up to some questions, questions, answers um, here, and we'll start in the studio. Got a mic you can grab. Oh, you don't have to turn it on. It's I don't on. Have to and turn if you want to stand up, that'd be great. Oh, hi. Hey. Um, so my daughter came home and she said that she was Mexipino when she was school and we're going is 
that a category that you had? <laughs> <laughs> but more seriously, I'd love to see you in an airport. And so I think that's really cool. And when I get off a flight one day, you guys are doing amazing work. And so um, certainly we'll, I'll follow. I had no idea what I was coming to today. And this is like the best <laughs> gift ever. So oh, thank you. Yeah, thank that's you. Great. That's awesome. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, I work for Delta and I'm going to get I'm like, let's go. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, I do know someone who works at United. Oh, see? In the, in exactly. the diversity. So, yes. Yeah, awesome. We're going to have them. Affirmation. Any, any more questions? Yeah, no. Hey, uh, I just wanted to know if there was a process or like a way that you um, go through and decide people that you maybe don't want to work with. Like, is there... A process like there are people that you're like sorry like you kind of gatekeep the images is that something that happens are you talking about models or um brands photographers? the brands. like businesses who are using your images gotcha oh. people that we don't want to work with <laughs> we haven't had that mission issue mission is oh, not yeah, aligned right. with the way they're yeah. using the image no i had to repeat it back because i was yeah. like ah gosh <laughs> I don't think there's been anyone that we didn't want to, oh, oh, wait, no, there was. <laughs> there, there are some people who've wanted to align with um. us. I'll just put it that way. And they don't align with our moves. So we have politely ignored their emails or oh have just kept saying we'll have a meeting and then the just meeting doesn't happen. Just dancing. Uh, dance. We're just dancing. Just kidding. We're, we, um, haven't had a situation where an actual like brand that is outside of stock photography has reached out to us and we haven't wanted to work with them. We always try to find a way to, to work with everyone because if you come to us and you say you want diversity, why would we shut you down? Mm -hmm. You know, so there's people who've come to us where they're like, hey, we need to see more people of color in nature. And so we, we try to find a way to link up. And then of course we had Nodumo who said, hey, I'd like to see more people who are albino. And so um, if it's within our, our, our scope of work, you know, we are based in Seattle, New York and Dallas. You know, we try to make sure that we make those come to life. So, yeah, yeah there hasn't been anyone that we've said like no. To. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> not yet, at least. Yeah. No. Any more yes, yeah. back row. Um, given your background and just in general, kind of how you came into stock photography, beyond just the people within the photos. Uh, did you guys think about how you wanted to compensate your contributors or just that kind of how you wanted to look you know, at them to make sure you were spreading your whole message in imagery as well as who you work with? Yeah, good question. It's a great we, question. We did, so if you guys follow the timeline, then you know that we said that we started working, or made the decision in 2016 to uh, go full throttle with, with Tonal, but we actually didn't launch for another year. So we spent that entire time doing market research. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we wanted to uncover is how these models were compensated. And we found that most of them were not. And so we thought, okay, well, what's the way that we can, you know, still be of value to them and, you know, give them that um, opportunity to use their images themselves. So we give all the images to the models that we use when we're doing more high profile, um, uh, projects, you know, they're they're definitely compensated. And when we launch our new site, we have a referral program now, so everybody can now get a piece of, of the pie because we feel like the community is what created us, mm -hmm. and so we want to give back in that sense. So those are all the ways that we've been able to compensate people who contribute to Tonal. Yeah. And I'm curious, just to build off Chelsea's question, is 
you talked about in the beginning, you wanted nothing to do with yeah. stock photography yeah. because as a photographer, you weren't going to be yeah. compensated in that way. Yeah. Is it kind of across the board that you are uh, looking to incentivize um, people to, to be a part of something totally different? Yeah, I mean, that you're working with? the good thing for us is it's more of a qualitative measure. So we're not like those type of companies are looking at mass, mass, mass. So they're going to only pay you, you know, twenty dollars for your image, if that, because they're trying to get as much images as possible. Um, with us, we know like, okay, if people are already looking for diverse imagery, you got to make sure it's curated, it's qualitative as well, and it looks great. And I think that has us cut a lot of fat that would happen if we're chasing just the amount of images, but it's like the right images. So for photographers who do work with us on certain projects, they do just get like a flat rate on top of it for editing, for, for all these different things, there's like a, a rate sheet for it. So at least they know they're getting compensated as well. And for each image, there's like a price to it as well. So we contract them out month to month, we pay them. And if there's any additional projects, we pay them for that too, like the normal photographer rate. Uh, which is pretty good for them. So a lot of it's, it's good incentives like keep shooting, keep being involved, and uh, keep growing it that way. But twenty dollars per image type of, it just doesn't work, and it's not guaranteed all the way. So especially the micro stock stuff and all, all the stuff that just went, yeah, it was just like no. That's what I was thinking about too, is having that full transparency versus what you know, yeah, a lot of the way that the stock photography industry in certain areas has has gone. Yeah. I see that I might have taken some questions from online. Oh, yeah. My producer is feeding me. <laughs> uh, so, Kathy, so I guess that is, um, yeah, both questions, one from Richard Marino and Carl. Uh, do you screen or vet your photographers to align with your vision? And then what is the process to contribute to tonal? So tell us right now, I think you have a limited amount of photographers that you're working with, but what is your vision, perhaps, and, and um, how can people get involved? I mean, as Karen mentioned earlier, I think it's important for photographers that we do have on Tonal to have a unique vision. Because if everybody's shooting the same, it, it, it would make no sense. If everybody shot like me, it would be kind of problematic. So I think it's important to be like, hey, we love what you do. We want you to do that at the best level and use that for Tonal. So all you have to do is align with these different storylines or creative briefs in that way, rather than like, we're all shooting the same. Um, so we vet them, we look at their, their work, see if it has a Tonal touch to it feel, which is like all these different elements of like friendly, but commercial, but still moody, but just various moods. Cause a lot of stock photography is just people smiling, but like how, how many images you could really represent a story with that touches on different emotions. So it's like really, really important to do that. Um, but the way we vet them is just, we just look at it, either say we like it or not, maybe pending, maybe we revisit it. But we're like in a relationship with a lot of photographers who are constantly emailing us about having your work featured on Tonal, which is open source. Like you could totally submit your portfolio and we could take a look at it. Um, and when we're ready to expand or we're like, hey, like we have a one-off project, we'll revisit the best portfolio we feel fits that project. I'd love to um, go a little bit further um, into, we, we talked about this in um, the podcast. I'm checking to see if we have any more questions coming in from, from folks at home. Uh, but the aesthetic, um, we talked about how, I, in the world of stock photography, you would never have um, somebody tagging Getty images, um, say, for example, as like, here, I'm using an image, and it's Getty images. But, but you seem to, because of the connection, the community that people feel around tonal images, having a very distinct look and feel, um, that, that people are actually tagging images that. Yeah. Talk yeah. to me about how you think that that, um, what that means to you, 
and what you think that means sort of as the future for... I'll, for, I'll take the first part yeah. of it, but I think it's, as a photographer to see other photographers, they'll take a photo and post it and tag tonal because they feel like it could be in line with what we're capturing. Yeah. Like, it's good to have that aspirational as element to it where it's like, okay, people are like shooting in mind knowing that we could possibly feature them or have them part of the team. And I think that's when you know you kind of created a unique footprint where people could like emulate what they think your company's doing and do that at the best level and like tag you. Um, so it's, it's a good issue to have, if anything yeah. else. It's, it shows more of the community we have. Yeah, and I also think that because we're newer to market, some of the cons or questions that people ask is, you know, you're gonna have to get to like millions of um, yeah. photos to really, you know, be up with the competitors. And I'm thinking to myself, not really. They're actually starting from square one too, because those images you don't see them use in a viral sense unless they're a meme and you're making fun of the stocks, which we've seen that trending. You know, other than that, it's like they've got to re they've got to start over to be, you know, more in alignment with what users are doing right now. And that's they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter, they're on Facebook. They care about the aesthetic. And so they've got to start over with their library to get more modern looking images because people just don't care about the corny, stale images anymore. Again, unless they're using them in a meme. Yeah. So. And I think now people are way more open to spending or investing in a company that has a community mm -hmm. at its benefit and stuff like that. So it's not like yeah. you're just spending just because, but like, what does this company stand for? What are their values? Like, people question that more than ever. I remember growing up, like, nobody asked that. It was yeah. just like, if it works, it works. But now it's like, where is this made? How is it made? Is it yeah. ethical? Is it? So like, you have way more smart buyers and smart supporters of companies now. And I feel like companies that aren't doing enough in the community are going to like fall to that. Well, I want to make sure everybody knows where to find you both, uh, how to get to Tonal, yes. um, and just how to really spread the word. It's really amazing what you are doing. Thank, Thank you. you for yeah. your comment um, in, in the studio as well. Um, how can everybody find you and follow you? Well, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I know I'm like... just at Joshua Kissy, um, Twitter, Instagram, all the fun stuff. So it's just, yeah. my last name is K-I-S-S-I. Yeah, and then personally at Karen Oconquo. And then for total, it's at T O N L. And then our website is T O N L dot C O. Mm -hmm. So it's not dot com, it's dot C O. And it's not tonal, T O N A L. No, yeah, it's no. T O N L <laughs> dot C O. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, and you'll be able to recognize the look and feel. Yes, yeah. so go well, follow us. As well. Um, final words of wisdom uh, to folks out there who are photographers, who are receivers of imagery um, about the power of photography? I would just say get to know your subject. If it means reaching out to them maybe two days before to have coffee with them, to really ask them what ways that they can be captured well and learn more about their culture, I think it'll make for, it'll lend itself to the authenticity of the photo shoot. Um, and just really get to know your neighbor, honestly. That's all, that's all it comes down to. I think from a photographer's standpoint, I would say just realize you're a truth teller and as well as what you create could be visual medicine for somebody else. So just remember that. All right, that about wraps it up. But uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. 
Um, actually, I'm going to go three quick things. Thing one, A, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm not quite sure how you, you landed on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that we're all in this together and that we're able to have a conversation is awesome. I feel uh, honored to be in your ears right now and that uh, you've paid attention to what I've been doing, what Creative Live has been doing for some time. And whether it's been a day or 10 years, I just want to say thank you. It's also really important to know on the backside of that that I, I do a lot of responding to comments. So hit me up, on, you know, direct message me on, on Instagram or Twitter or at me. I try and respond as much as possible. So let's have a conversation that transcends me just being in your ears here. Let's try and do it some, somewhere out there in, on the internet land. That's thing one. Thing two, again, I'm not quite sure what channels you pay attention to me and my work, but please go check out. I'm at Chase Jarvis or slash Chase Jarvis or whatever on all the platforms. And it's really important to me. Also, if you wouldn't mind checking out Creative Live, it's something that not only myself, but 120 other committed hardcore badass people come to work every day uh, to build the place where creators and entrepreneurs learn so check that out they're just slash creative live or at creative live all over out there on the internet all right until again uh, probably tomorrow i hope i'll hear you i'll be in your ears maybe tomorrow and i'll look for your comments on the internets bye